Welcome to the Israel Daily News Podcast. I'm your host, Shanna Fold, and I'm here to get you caught up quickly. I've got some top news stories for you today from Israel, and guess what? You're listening, so you're already on top of your game. Survive and thrive, people. Knowledge is the best weapon. Today is Thursday, February 2nd, 2023 in the Gregorian calendar and the 11th of Shvat 5783 in the Hebrew calendar. Stay tuned for the end of my show where I'll tell you all about my trip to the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. I was invited to cover it by a controversial organization that brings Jews up to the holy place and explains what it's all about. Also, next week, I'll have two Instagram live interviews to discuss the Supreme Court reform as promised, one with former Israeli ambassador to the U.S., Michael Oren. He's great. You'll hear him on Tuesday at 4 p.m. Israel time. That's 9 a.m. Eastern time. And the other interview with the famous Israeli advocate Hen Mazig on Thursday at 6 p.m. Israel time and 11 a.m. Eastern time. We'll be talking about the Supreme Court reforms and so much more. Now, let's get to the news. Attorney General Gali Baharav Miara says Prime Minister Netanyahu cannot be involved in the effort to overhaul the judicial system. She says it's because he has a conflict of interest due to his ongoing corruption trial. If you didn't know, Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu is currently involved in a trial for bribery, fraud, and breach of trust. Justice Minister Yariv Levin, who works closely with Netanyahu, argued back, saying that actually Baharav Miara herself has a conflict of interest because she too would like to oppose the reforms. Netanyahu and his colleagues in office are working to add legislation that would change things as it stands for Israel's high court. The bills call for a veto power for parliament to strike down court decisions if they have a majority of 61 out of 120 members. It also calls for judges to be appointed by elected government representatives instead of how it is currently being done where judges make appointments for new incoming judges. The concept is that if the legislation passes, Netanyahu would be able to get his government to appeal any court decision that doesn't go in his favor favor for his own trial. In related news, Supreme Court President Esther Hyatt has demanded that Prime Minister Netanyahu stop all of his efforts to push through a plan for judicial overhaul and that he wait for President Isaac Herzog, who is being called on to lead mediation efforts. Herzog is well-respected globally, and in Israel, he's seeming to be a rising star among our nation, while both the left and the right rely on him to bring a reasonable, centrist voice. The role of president is a nonpartisan one. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu told the press this week, specifically on CNN, that he's ready to, quote, hear counteroffers to his controversial plan to overhaul Israel's independent judiciary system. The prime minister says Israel needs a strong independent judiciary, but an independent judiciary doesn't mean an unbridled judiciary. 
Netanyahu claims that democracy needs balance between three branches of government and says in Israel that balance has been thrown askew. In his interview, Netanyahu argues that Levin's proposals have existing safety provisions, but that critics don't want to hear about them. He claims the critics are driven by a lack of understanding, a lack of information, frankly by political opponents who lost the election, end quote. The prime minister pointed to other parliamentary democracies like Canada and New Zealand, where he said the courts have, quote, no ability to strike down laws passed by parliament, as it does currently. Netanyahu also said none of the reforms his government is talking about have anything to do with his trial. Verbit CEO Tom Livney, who is the founder of one of Israel's most successful tech unicorns, declared yesterday that he would leave the country and cease paying taxes as a protest against the reforms. A tech unicorn is a startup company that is valued at over a billion dollars. Verbit has been operating since 2017, and by the way, I interviewed one of their chief officers in 2019 before the company completely blew up. It's a hybrid artificial intelligence-based transcription and captioning software. The company is valued at $2 billion U.S. billion in its last funding round from late 2021. It employs around 200 workers in Israel and 1,000 overseas. Livni says, quote, Over the past few years, I've paid tens of millions of dollars in taxes, and my company has paid hundreds of millions in taxes. I hope others will see me doing this and follow my lead to stop residing in Israel and stop paying taxes. This is the solution and one that will hurt the government the most, end quote. Last week, the co-founder and CEO of global payroll company Papaya Enat Guez, another tech unicorn with a value of over $1 billion, said the company would withdraw all of the company's funds from Israel and says there is no certainty that we can conduct international economic activity from Israel. This is a painful but necessary business step. That's what their CEO said, Enat Guez. We are going to keep you updated on what's happening with the business sector, and I have a very large report coming out in the Jerusalem Report magazine, so keep an eye out for that. National Security Minister Itmar Ben-Gvir is announcing plans to make big changes to the firearm licensing department in an effort to make it easier for civilians to legally own guns. This is following a deadly shooting that occurred Friday night at a synagogue in Jerusalem. Seven people died and three were wounded. Gun control in Israel is pretty strict and does not make it so easy for private citizens to carry. Those who can are usually people who need extra security for their line of work. The rule generally goes that each licensee can have one gun and 50 bullets at a time. The ministry reports that in 2022, 42,236 applications were fired. The ministry reports that in 2022, 42,236 applications were filed. Between 2016 and 2020, there was an average of just 13,000 which means people were not trying to get guns as much as they are now. It's assumed that a rise in violence in 2021 made Israelis feel the need to protect themselves with weapons. The government has requested the High Court of Justice granted a four-month extension to fully formulate a plan to evacuate the Bedouin encampment of Khan al-Amar in the West Bank. 
one of the pledges made by coalition members Otzma Yehudit and religious Zionism, is demolishing the village as soon as possible. The encampment is, has about 200 residents, and in 2018, it was agreed that it would be demolished. The government is asking to extend the timeline for a ninth time, giving members more time to figure out how to do this. The Bedouins who live there say they led a nomadic lifestyle for many years before setting up this small village in the 1950s after being displaced during the 1948 war. However, there are photos showing the settlement was newly put up in late 1970s. Men in the Bedouin community typically have multiple wives and don't send their kids to school despite this is illegal. Despite requesting an extension, the government stated in its response to the high court that it was committed to demolishing Khan al-Amar in line with its past commitments to the court to do so, following a number of petitions by right-wing political organizations. I want to thank all of you for your interest in Israeli affairs. Israeli politics are world politics. Thank you to all of you who personally finance and fund the Israel Daily News podcast by making monthly contributions. If you would like to make a monthly contribution, check out the link in the show notes, which you can click on, and that'll take you to the page where you too can make a contribution and feel good knowing that you're supporting independent journalism. So check that out at anchor.fm slash Israel Daily News. You can also support us by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Two, you can share the show with a friend. And three, you can follow us on Facebook at israeldaily.news, as well as Shanna Fold. My name has two N's in it, and I'm very sensitive about that. You can also find us on Twitter at Israel Podcast. On Wednesday, the Israel Space Agency signed an agreement with NASA for full collaboration on the Bereshi 2 lunar mission, the latest involvement from Israel with the moon program. NASA Associate Administrator Robert Cabana and ISA, or Israel Space Agency, Director General Uri Aron, signed off on this joint lunar mission. In 2019, NASA and the ISA did work together on the first Bereshit mission, launched with Space IL. Although that mission technically succeeded in landing on Earth, the control room lost contact with the lander close to touchdown, and it crash-landed on the moon's surface. Bereshit number two hopes to bring the Jewish state back without complications and a launch in 2025. The mission has three spacecraft, one orbiter that will stay in space and two landers that will go to the lunar surface. Space IL CEO Shimon Sarid says there are two areas in which NASA is helping the Bereshit 2 mission, communication and technology. Israel needs NASA equipment to understand and transmit data. Bereshit 2 is set to land on the dark side of the moon while carrying NASA instruments, and that technology will help NASA figure out radiation measurements. Israel will give NASA a variety of experimental technology. Sarid says this is a win-win situation. Yesterday, I had a big day in Jerusalem. If you're following me on Instagram, you might already know about it. I anchored a news show I filled in as an anchor for a show called Israel Now News, which is a weekly broadcast that goes out to some 50 million viewers on cable stations across the world. Then I took a special tour that I was invited on by an organization called High on the Har. 
Rabbi Yehuda Levi took me up. He showed me the Temple Mount in the old city of Jerusalem. I'll give you some insights from the experience and some details about how it all works. Have you heard about the Temple Mount? Well, it's considered to be the third holiest site in Islam after Mecca and Medina and the number one holiest site in Judaism. It is so holy. This is the location where the holy temple once stood. Yes, the Jewish people used to have one large holy temple. In fact, there were two and they were both destroyed. The Temple Mount is believed to be the location where the physical world meets the spiritual heavens. The last temple was destroyed by the Romans in 70 CE. Muslims believe that the Dome of the Rock, which houses the Sacra Stone, is the location where Muhammad journeyed to the heavens. The Umayyads, a ruling family, built the Dome of the Rock in 692 over the spot of the Holy of Holies, which was located at the peak of Mount Moriah. This is also the location where Abraham nearly sacrificed his son Isaac, but was then stopped by God. Jews never believed in human sacrifice, by the way, and this was sort of the first mention of it, that we don't do that. The Al-Aqsa Mosque was completed in 715 CE and is located to the south of the Temple Mount, okay? So we have two things going on here. We have the place of the previous Holy Temple and we have the Al-Aqsa Mosque, which is all in this one compound. We have Jewish and we have Muslim. Today, the Temple Mount is in the custody of the Jordanian Waqf. And it is a point of controversy. It's on Israeli land, but it is controlled under the custody of Jordan. Muslims have full access to the site, but non-Muslims are only permitted to enter the compound on the mountain at specified times throughout the day. When Jews go up, there sometimes can be riots. Though Wednesday, I went up for the second time. This time I went up on a different type of an experience. I was with a religious Jewish group, and they had a special police escort. Non-Muslims are not supposed to worship or pray or utter any words of prayer or show any symbols of their religion on the mountain. I, last time, was asked to hide my Star of David necklace. I did not wear it this time. You have to cover up out of respect when you go there. So if you don't have the right materials, you'll be given some fabrics to throw over your pants. In 2017, two police officers were murdered in a terror attack on this site. And there is a big photo showing their pictures and reminding people that this happened. So when you are going through security to go up to the compound, you'll see their faces in a photo. Most recently, the right-wing leader Itamar Ben-Gavir went up for a walk around the compound. It made international headlines despite he had been doing this many times in the past. Now that he has become the national security minister and a member of Knesset, Arab leaders say that this was an incitement. The news went crazy. Ben Gvir has been arrested for making incitements against Arabs in the past, and he has a reputation for that. Many Jews that I saw come up to the mountain made silent prayers off to the side, and they left when their time was out. They had to. They were with a police escort, and the police were pretty strict. There are sections where the temple used to stand that many Jews do not go to or go near because it is forbidden by Jewish law without the proper sacrifices and preparations. The compound is full of ancient history with pillars and rocks and even marble slabs of stone that used to actually be the floor of the Jewish holy temple. It's crazy. The pieces are just out there. You can touch them. You can walk by them. 
thousands of years later. It is so cool. I do have to say the compound is not very well kept. There was a lot of garbage around and I thought that it could use a little TLC, some tender love and care. The gold dome itself of the Al-Aqsa Mosque is very impressive. You can see it from most places in the compound. Many Muslim families use these large spaces to do picnics and you'll see a lot of youth playing soccer games. I asked the guide, Rabbi Levy, a few questions about how the space works in terms of the authorities because there was an Israeli police presence, but it's under custodian of the Jordanian walk. So I wanted to understand how that works and who's allowed to come and why this is such a special place. So I'm going to let you listen to what he had to say. So the Islamic walk are in charge of the administration of the Temple Mount. They set the opening hours for non-Muslims and set the rules of how non-Muslims are allowed to visit the Temple Mount such as how they're allowed to act, where they're allowed to walk, if their clothing meets the Islamic requirements, etc. The Israeli police are in charge of security of the Temple Mount, not unlike being in charge of security anywhere else within the land of Israel. They make sure that anybody who comes to the Temple Mount is doing so in a safe and secure manner. In addition, the Israeli police also escort the religious Jewish groups on the Temple Mount for three reasons. One, to keep them safe, and for that we're eternally grateful. Number two, to prevent Jews from inadvertently entering into an area that is forbidden by Jewish law. And number three, to prevent Jews from doing anything that they deem provocative. For the most part, police officers on the Temple Mount are either Jewish or Druze, who have the ability to speak both Hebrew and Arabic fluently. Every day during opening hours, there are many Jewish groups that go visit the Temple Mount, including my own organization, High on the Har, as well as Yeshiva Tarabayit. As you experienced with us, our group is very respectful and follows all the rules of the police. We do not antagonize anybody and don't make any trouble. The Arabs know that we're there. The Waka follows our group around, and there is generally zero conflict between our group and the Islamic Waqf, who see us daily, who know that we're there. There are no shouts of Allahu Akbar or any sort of open protest against our group. In fact, for the most part, the so-called tensions that happen daily on the Temple Mount don't exist. They're basically a creation of the Palestinian narrative, which wants to see the Temple Mount remain only in Muslim hands. However, the Jewish worshippers who go up are hoping to gain access and freedom of religion for all, as is technically Israeli law, that there should be freedom of religion at all locations in, within the country, and specifically on the Temple Mount, which Isaiah calls a house of prayer for all nations. Judaism believes that it is an inherent human right for every human being created in the image of God to connect and communicate with their creator. And since the Torah and the Talmud tells us that the ideal place of prayer is on the Temple Mount, we believe that all people, Jews, Christians, Muslims, should have equal rights to be able to pray and to serve God on the Temple Mount. While the Muslims would advocate for only Muslim freedom on the Temple Mount and everybody else is delegated to a status of a visitor, of someone who can see but not participate, Judaism, on the other hand, believes that every human being has the right to participate, to communicate, and to serve God at the Holy Temple, and that is what we advocate for, both us at High and the Har and all the other Temple Mount organizations. Did you find this interesting? If you did, I have tons of pictures. You can reach out for some, or you can check out my social media on Instagram or the Israel Daily News podcast Instagram, which you can find at israeldaily.news, and I have pictures up in the story. All right. Well, that is it for today's show. 
Today is Thursday, February 2nd, 2023. Tel Aviv has a low of 11 degrees Celsius and a high of 17 degrees. That's 52 degrees Fahrenheit for the low, going up to 62 degrees for the high. Subscribe to the Israel Daily News podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you're hearing it from. We are everywhere. Don't forget to sign up to our Israel Weekly News Wrap. This is a newsletter with the top five stories coming out of Israel from throughout the week. I also usually add in a few personal anecdotes so you can get the inside scoop on what's going on in my life, what's happening with the Israel Daily News podcast, professional highlights. A big thank you goes out to the newest member of our team, Pedro Spiegel. He is interning for us as a general news intern with a specialty in feature reporting. Also a big shout out to Michelle Milner, for her social media work. Take a listen now to a song called Flying High by Erica Kral, a talented Russian-Israeli DJ. Enjoy her song. Have a great and productive day and an excellent weekend. Shabbat Shalom, everyone.